to Unnecessary Angst, the podcast. (laughs) That's cute. I like that. That worked. And it was actually not super horribly timed like the last time we tried. No, it wasn't. We're we're getting in sync now. (laughs) It does help that we have video chat on while we do this. Yes, this is true. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, We are so excited to dive into chapter 17 of Holly Black's The Cruel Prince this week. But before we do that, Julia, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a very sweet Moscato Dasty. Mm. I feel like an Italian out there is like crying my pronunciation skills. Probably. (laughs) Um, What's going on in my week? Uh, a lot of assignments. That's it. That's my entire week has been yeah. stressing over assignments and I'm over it. I'm ha- like more than halfway through my second semester of university and I'm ready for a break. <laughs> Desperately. Do you guys get a spring break? We had one, um, two, three weeks ago. That wasn't spring. Ago. That's February. I, I know. <laughs> but we also end in April, so it's a whole oh. month earlier than American universities, yeah. So it's a little bit different. That's, that's fair. School's fun. I've uh, recently Uh, rekindled my, my school life because I've become the copy editor for eighth grade language arts. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's been um, an interesting time. I've been editing her memoirs and her journal assignments for language arts class. Even I edited a, they had to write a journal entry for science class. Oh, God. Which Why? was interesting. Because um, her teacher wanted her to write about her favorite vacation. And then they had to use words related to phase change, like, in the assignment to show that they knew what they meant. So we wrote about a fictitious trip to Disney World that we're hoping we're, we get to take after... She gets all A's this semester. And uh, we were like, oh, someone spilled water on the sidewalk and it dried so quickly. It was if it was evaporating. Oh my God. This is like, I do not miss high school assignments at all. <laughs> what kind of an assignment is that? <laughs> what? I mean, listen, teachers are doing, no, no judgment teachers. You're doing the best that you can in online learning. I feel yeah. you. Good job. That's true. Good job, teachers. (laughs) Much effort. Do not envy their job right now. Seriously. Her math teacher does really cute assignments called pixel art, where she has to, like, solve equations and put the answers in, and then it conditionally formats every time she gets a correct answer. It fills in Mm. a bunch of cells, and they, like, put together little art pictures. Oh, like, fill 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 in the blank. Connect the dots, but for math, almost. Kind of. Yeah, but it's just, like, color-coded cells. So it's, like, Hmm. she solved, like, eight questions, and if you get all eight questions right, then eventually Captain America's shield will get colored in. But it'll be in Excel. (laughs) It's called pixel art. It's really cute. Interesting. Okay. Online learning, you know? (laughs) Make it fun for the kids somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I'm drinking a spiced apple cider from Gowan's... Heirloom ciders somewhere in California. So, that's good. It's a good, they 
They've been here since 1876. Oh, good for them. That's a long time. Is this something I've learned? California has been settled for a, a very long time. Very long um, time, yeah. Never, that never really registered for me. I don't know why. But I went to, a, like, not this weekend, but last weekend, I went to the Presidio, um, which is this, like, big, massive park life area that's uh, near the Golden Gate Bridge. And we... As we were driving through the Presidio, there was a sign that they're like, ah, yes, this park has been here since 1776. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait a second. What? A long time. <laughs> People have been in California since the country was founded. That seems suspicious. Because <laughs> I forget that... Um, Coming from Washington, like, most people in Washington that were not Native Americans came from the Oregon Trail, so I forget that there were people not on the Oregon Trail that settled here. I remember there was this book series, I don't know if you ever read these, the, like, Dear America oh, series. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yes. I think that there was one about the California gold rush that I, like, mm. really liked for some reason. That's the only thing that I know about California's history. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think the California gold rush hey, was the big thing. Those those books were very educational, though. They were. I had one I about would them, actually. Pearl Harbor and one about oh, the I Titanic. Have I have that one. I have them all. I, I feel like I, I still somewhere have the whole collection. <laughs> I gave mine away. I sold mine to half price books. Oh no, I would never ever do that. I, I was obsessed with sure. these books. I mean, I was uh, too. But like, do you know how many books I have, Julia? And I, I don't like. Yeah, go ahead. I, there was one about the Dust Bowl, a random fact <laughs> in American history that I don't think we even learned about or spent a lot of time learning about in like our history classes. No, but I knew all about it because. of all we know about the Dust Bowl is it happened the same time as the Great Depression. Yeah. Like, I, for the longest time, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but for the longest time, I thought the Dust Bowl is what caused the Great Depression. Oh, God. <laughs> Which tells you how bad public school education is. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, those, those were a good series. It was good. I just, I was saying, I uh, I would have held on to them for longer periods of time, but I did not come from a family that was as supportive of uh, book ownership as you are from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My mom's like, why do you need all this crap? And I'm like, but mom. And now that I'm an adult, I buy way too many books, and so I'm overcompensating. It's, it's a problem. But speaking of... Traumatized by your past... Yep, that is me. So speaking of traumatization from our past and also books, let's talk about The Cruel Prince. Wow, you're we're really getting great with these segues here. Oh, I deserve an award, I think. <laughs> or something really of do. the sort. Just kidding, I really don't. But So we're just going to be talking about Chapter 17 in this episode uh, because... Chapter 18, which comes after it, is a doozy, and we will be here for hours if we try to do them both at once. So, hopefully we can have this be a, a short and quick episode, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, so, Julia, do you want to kick us off with the synopsis? I do. Okay, chapter 17. It's been a minute since I read this. I think I remember all of it. So, Jude wakes up in Locke's bed. Ho, <laughs> next to a sleeping lock and starts thinking about the night before, which she she seems like she, she remembers she had fun, 
Um, and Carden was watching her all night long, like a shark, I think is how she describes it. Circling Which, in the water. Interesting way of putting it. Uh, she was extra obnoxious just to piss him off. Then she wanders back to Locke's mother's room and puts the dress back, which, by the way, the dress is full of, like, stains and stuff. Is she going to do anything about that, or is she just, like, putting it back? I don't understand, but whatever. Um, grass stains, I should <laughs> I don't be clear. really think stains bother Jude, considering she's now changing back into a blood-stained tunic, and she's like, yep, Probably that's true. fine. <laughs> um, so she's changing back into her tunic and grabs the acorn that she found in the pocket of her of the dress, yep. along with her knife, Nikasia, 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 whatever we're calling her, Nikki, I'm going to call her Nikki, <laughs> Nikki is downstairs eating, <laughs> telling Jude her hair is a mess, which is like, first of all, love that, love when another girl just like, is like, hey, BTLP, you should probably fix your hair, <laughs> um, we have a nice moment from Nikki, I guess, and then Jude is panicking and doesn't know how to react to waking up in a boy's house and having to talk to his ex. Which is like putting that into perspective for a teenager. It's a wild, wild situation. She was basically like drunk. So, yeah. But Nikki tells Jude that her mother and Balakin were planning for her and Carden to marry, but that he likes to ruin things, which she emphasizes. He ruins things. (laughs) So we're like, okay. And Jude is like, okay, got it. I know. You're still friends with him. Why? Yeah. Jude really was got sassy there. She was like, why is she just now realizing this? Like, I've known this forever. He's the worst. <laughs> great. Jude wanders off again towards the palace for class. Um, Taryn shoots her a pointed look, and Cardin is dressed in green velvet, making Jude restless. But th- thankfully, Valerian isn't there. Thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They have a new instructor, Dulcimara, teaching them about laws of inheritance in different fairy courts. She is from a different court, not under the Greenbrier Briar banner, so is a bit more honest with she's a bit more honest with them. But Jude explains in her head that this court of termites may be united under the banner under Dane, which Maddox didn't agree with. Oh, so we have some tension between Dane and Maddox. Jude asks what would happen if someone tried to take the crown, which, like, great question, <laughs> right in front of the prince. <laughs> and Dulcimar explains two siblings could do it, but murder of the wearer causes the death of the person responsible. Ooh. Hmm. After class, Taryn catches up with her and said she bribed Tatterfell not to tell Maddox Jude wasn't there, but she wants to know, and Jude says she was at Locke's party and they kissed. Taryn doesn't believe her and thinks she did more, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but Jude deflects and starts trying to guess who Taryn's love is. Taryn asks if she really likes Locke, and Jude says yes. No! <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, God. When they get home, Taryn basically disappears immediately, so Jude looks at the acorn, because um, I, too, spent a lot of time staring at an acorn I found in my potential boyfriend's mother's, dead mother's dress. Yep. It's my favorite hobby. <laughs> yeah, same. And it becomes, she finds out, a little metal puzzle with a voice inside of Locke's mother, Leary, Leary, I think. I think it's Leary-Opi. Lily. <laughs> What? <laughs> you could at least Leary-o. go with like Leary or something Leary. even close. <laughs> Leary, okay, Leary. 
saying to someone that she has three tries to get the message out, given how fast the poison is spreading. But she wants this person to protect him, presumably Locke, since that is her son, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> take him to take him away from court and not to tell him the truth. Drew tries to guess who it might be intended for, such as Locke's father. Jude starts thinking about the message from Queen Orla again and thinks the sentence was odd, especially since blusher mushrooms grow wild and are not hard to obtain, so it now appears Queen Orla was saying they knew where certain mushrooms had come from, such as who did the poisoning. Hmm. And to caution using that info, meaning Balakin won't be poisoning Dane, but that he may know who killed Locke's mom. I'm pretty sure I had this question when we were talking about blusher mushrooms, and Jude's like, yeah, I got some blusher mushrooms to poison myself with, and I was like, wait, what? They just grow everywhere? (laughs) That's dumb. (laughs) So yeah, more intrigue. Uh, So she decides to go figure out the truth, because she's Jude, and that's what she does. And she sinks back into Hollow Hall. She's nervous, but knows her job is not to get caught. As she's leaving, she passes Oriana, who is mad she missed dinner and didn't hang, didn't spar with Maddox. Jude says, which I love that. Like, you didn't spar with him. His feelings are hurt. Jude says she will be better the next day. And Oriana accuses her of scheming, which Jude agrees with and leaves. Classic. I do that too. Hold on. Well, she's like, yep. I am causing trouble. Bye! <laughs> like, great. Jude then hits to Hollow Hall and sneaks in through the servant's entrance and thinks everything is going well until she sees Balakin coming down the stairs, though he doesn't seem to recognize her. Walking into the library, the servant she saw cleaning Carden's room the other day is cleaning in there, and Jude starts looking for something but sees nothing, impatiently wanting to get past Balakin and into the tower. So once the coast is clear, she heads up, sinking past Carden's closed door and into Balakin's study. She sees nothing unusual other than some herbs and letters from Maddock and other documents, but nothing about Locke's mother or any planned murders. <laughs> like, just casually hanging around, Jude, yeah. For she's, sure. She's such a crap spy, oh my she's god. terrible. <laughs> she does, however, see a love poem in Prince Dane's hand. Ooh. <laughs> she decides she'll pretend to be a fake messenger, so she fakes a quick message, and then as she's leaving, decides she needs to help the servant girl, even though this will mean betraying everything around her. So she gives her a little bit of salt. The girl fights Jude and then just generally is losing it. Jude tries to pull her out and then forgets her letter. She has to go back and get it. She's terrible. She's completely losing focus. This letter did not need to be in the plot at all. It was so pointless. Jude asks her name and she doesn't remember. Jude pressures her some more and she finally says, Sophie. Then Jude tells her she's not allowed to cry. And if she does, Jude will stop her. (laughs) Best solution. person. Like, this girl's been under an enchantment for how long now? And Jude's like, hey, welcome back. What's your name? I'm going to punch you now. <laughs> I mean, would we expect anything different from Jude, though? <laughs> they have to pass through the guards, so Jude says they're, they are to attend a cordon outside. And when the guards question why Sophie's eyes are shifting so much, she says it's because Cardin told them to be more observant. I can't believe the guards bought this. I know. Well, clearly the guards are not that intelligent, so it's okay. True, fair. 
Jude thinks about how she wishes she could be doing more, but knows that once Dane has power, she will have power. Debatable. It's power. But. I know. <laughs> As they walk outside, Jude sees Garden on a horse with Nikasia falling following close behind. I called her the right name, I think. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of me. She prays she can get this girl out and also have Cardin not see her and ponders what her punishment will be if she gets caught. He looks at them and pauses, but keeps moving, and she takes Sophie towards the forest. Sophie starts to collapse in panic, and Jude makes her keep moving, saying she will abandon her and Cardin will find her. She looks back at Cardin and Nikesha and says they just look like a boy and his friend out in the moonlight, nothing evil about him. Hmm. Mm. They get into the forest and through a stream, and on the other side, Sophie collapses in tears, and Jude doesn't know how to help her or sympathize. She does her best, (laughs) which is not very good. Mm. We get some of Sophie's backstory. She took a job from a guy at Burning Man, which... There you go. Don't go to Burning Man. Yep. <laughs> and when he told her not to take anything, she was tempted to, and it ended up where she was. Jude tells her who she is and that she grew up there and her sister will take Sophie back, and Sophie is just hoping none of this is real and she didn't want or crave the things she may have done. They slowly make their way back to Maddox, and Jude remembers she left her cloak near Hollow Hall, but keeps moving. She puts Sophie in a, st- a stable stall while she goes to get Vivi. <laughs> Yeah, just sit her next to a giant toad. She'll be fine. Telling her what she had done. Vivi doesn't scold her, just gets her shoes and said she thought she was barging in to say she had killed someone because she thinks Judas just. <laughs> like my description here. Everyone, yeah. No, it's accurate. She's just growling and angry at everyone. It's true. <laughs> Vivi says Jude is not allowed to come with them, and she needs to change and pretend she has been in her room the whole time. But Jude argues with her and ends up coming since Vivi looks fairy, and that would scare Sophie more, which is not wrong. Vivi it's accuses true. Jude of using this as a surrogate for their mother, since Jude can't save her, which is a very insightful comment. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. <laughs> they go to Sophie and try to get her on one of the ragwort horses but she gets very upset so they take a little walk to calm her and convince her they are taking her home sophie starts putting rocks in her pockets and as they get on the horses she is riding behind jude as they head toward the mortal realm sophie lets herself fall off the horse into the sea jude realizing she wasn't actually listening to anything the girl has had been saying as she was too caught up in her own hero complex that is true True, true, true. It's like, I thought this chapter was going to be, like, a lot of filler, just, like, pretty boring. And while Mm -hmm. it was, like, this is a very self-contained chapter. Yeah. Damn. In terms of the plot, it doesn't go anywhere, but in terms of, I think, her character development, I think it's important. Yeah, no, it's definitely important. Because this is the first real death besides her parents that she's witnessing. And she has to take accountability for it. Like, she kind Mm -hmm. of caused it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't know how to empathize. Nope. At all. Girl, you need to... Character development, let's go! Oh, God, I know. I need you to just, like, be better. Like, please, just... She needs some self-awareness. Be better. Okay, so, should we get into our general comments? Yes. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? (laughs) Do you want to start, Roland? I don't have that much. Okay, I have a lot. So, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll, my first comment 
is a funny one to lift us out of this somber mood that we just got put into. Um, I just wrote down, Jude, if Cardin is looking at you like a shark and he is circling, waiting for the right moment to bite, it's because he thinks you're a snack, not because he eats you. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> this is true. I don't understand why she hasn't realized this yet. I don't know. Maybe my uh, my enemies to lovers flags are just like going up, and I'm like, no, we're at the time where they could be lovers now. Can we switch over? I'm ready for that to start. <laughs> you want to fast forward a little bit? <laughs> it's not gonna happen in the first book. I I'm understand sorry. that, but I'm already ready. Like I'm just ready for it to happen because I'm over Locke. I never liked him, and I'm I'm ready to move forward. <laughs> I will say, I think that the, the good thing about, because, um, like, you know, obviously we've talked about this toxic relationships in YA. We talk about it all the time. I mm-hmm. think that the good thing with Holly Black is she kind of recognizes that Cardin is toxic. She's not going to make up some lame excuse and then push them together. And for the rest of the two books, it's right. just about their relationship. Like, it's more over the th- course of three books, they actually become trusting of each other. They need to earn that trust. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, there's no real way that, like, Jude's ready for a relationship with Cardin. No. Like, not even. <laughs> she's so far. She's still, like, with waiting for. <laughs> he's, she's waiting for him to, like, stab her at any given point in yeah. time. She's like, Cardin looked at me. Is there an arrow? Is someone coming for me? I don't can see how, like, juvenile she still is with, like, Locke and, like, being, like, waking up next to him and being like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, there's a boy next to me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, Which, at like, least she's getting some relationship development there, I guess you could say. Some experience. Some relationship yeah, exactly. experience. Yeah. I mean, it's – I shouldn't – we shouldn't, like, laugh at her because she's young – like, that's normal to, like, feel mm-hmm. that skittish at that age. It's just, uh, thinking back on it, it's funny. <laughs> but yeah. it's not funny in the moment. Like, those are very, very real, like, fears and anxieties in the moment. And normally you don't have to, like, walk downstairs or, like, sneak downstairs and see your boyfriend's ex, like, eating food in his kitchen in the morning. <laughs> that's but, not normal. Okay. I'm, like, interjecting on yours, but I still appreciate, because we're on the topic, Nikki <laughs> commenting on her hair. She didn't have to do that. She could have just let her, like, go outside, go to school, because she was going to school with her hair a mess. Mm-hmm. But she was polite enough to be like, hey, by the way, check your hair out. <laughs> yeah. Go and fix it. No, I, I appreciate I, that. I appreciated it, too, though. It felt strange to me. I, I wrote that down. I was it like, why is... Why is Nikasia all of a sudden confiding in Jude? Like, it feels weird because it wasn't even just... has no girlfriends. That's true. She has a bunch of idiots surrounding her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's like a jock, a lying mastermind, and a dumbass. (laughs) And that applies to all of them, basically. I don't know. They're not all lying masterminds. (laughs) True. Also, none of them can lie. Well, they can... Um, Manipulation assist, masterminds? Which is just as much as lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. No? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I felt... Well, and it felt weird, like, her talking about Cardin to Jude. Like, mm-hmm. being like, well, we were meant yeah. to be together, but, like, he's just the worst. 
And I'm like, mm-hmm. why is she saying this to Jude? Because it's like but almost a moment of vulnerability, but it's also like a warning. I, that's what I took it as, as a warning. Like she's kind of looking out for her and that like, I can see what's going on. Like Cardin was- Cardin's in it love with like you. Was not, yeah, like Cardin was not subtle about it. And she's like, by the way, like he's not good. <laughs> Just letting you know in the most like at friends, enemies way possible. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's just yeah. big, big turn that we've taken in like two, three chapters where now Cardin is like, somehow he saw the polka dotted underwear and he's lost his mind. <laughs> he's in a whole new world. He's like, whoa, what was that? Can't get Boy. it out of his head. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I, I mean, in general, I relate to her like, in not knowing how to handle going downstairs and just seeing anyone. Like, I can just imagine, like, going downstairs the morning after, like, spending the night, even just spending the night at a friend's house doing, like, a girl's mm-hmm. sleepover, and you see their, like, mom or dad in the kitchen downstairs, and you're like, what do I do? What do I... What's happening? <laughs> uh, hello. That was... Kind of like a walk of shame. Yeah, I had I had walk of shame anxiety about every sleepover I've ever had in my life, whether it re- involved shame or not. So <laughs> I relate to the anxiety. Also, Jude's becoming such a little thief. Yeah, like she stole the book. Now she's stealing the acorn. What else is she gonna take? I love that she didn't even think twice about taking the acorn. It fell out of the pocket, and she was like, "Oh, guess I should take that." Okay, like, let's go. She's like, "Lock said I could have anything in this room," so. Including the acorn. <laughs> Which he doesn't know exists. <laughs> nope. Oh, dear lord. Uh, I'm also, you know, her s- really bad psychological habits are just ticking up because now she's a master deflector as well as a master suppressor. So mm-hmm. she's learning all of the bad habits. Good job, yeah. Jude. <laughs> so not proud of you. But I am glad kind of a little bit later when she starts, like, thinking about the letter and, like, Locke's mom and everything. I loved the way her brain was, like, trying to work through all of the things that she knew to try to reanalyze the letter because, like, and giving us the letter again so we could mm-hmm. kind of, like, reread it because as you reread it, it's like, oh, actually, there is a lot of gray in that letter. Yeah. It's not very straightforward and it's worded extremely strangely. So, <laughs> yeah. And why didn't she lie to Oriana? That felt weird to me. She lies about everything. And now she was like, I am going to go cause trouble. Bye. She's like very spiteful about Oriana. Uh, And I think that's just her way of being like, I have, it's, it's, I think it's a kind of power move on her part. Like being like, yeah, like you know that I'm going to do it. Like I'm just going to admit to it because I have nothing to hide from you. So whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor Oriana. Jude's so mean to her. Yeah. Well, it's not like Oriana's going to do anything about it. I know. And I think she knows that. Well, because she doesn't hold the power. Like, Maddox holds mm-hmm. the power, and Maddox yeah. idolizes Jude. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that we are going to talk about Sophie a lot towards the end, but I just, in general, hate the way that all of Balakin's servants are described. Like... So they, she describes Sophie as with chapped lips, 
thin, bruise-eyed, and it just it just made me so sad. Like that, there's all of these abused, sickly people like walking around. They have no love, no support. They're barely allowed to sustain on anything other than whatever drugs continue to be fed to them. Like it's horrific, and we just kind of like glaze over it, but it's like actually terrible. Yep. Alternatively, I just really want to know who Prince Dane is in love with. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I know that, Chantel, and I'm I not going to tell you. Again, I don't even know if it's in the first book. There's so much that happens in the first book, and I'm like, like towards the end, I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that comes, does it come into play? It might, actually, now that I think about okay. it. So the only thing, like, my original thought when reading that there was a Prince Dane love letter, I was like, oh my god. Prince Dane is Terrence's secret love. <laughs> but then I was like, no, he's in love with someone who has sunrise hair and Terrence's a brunette, so that doesn't make sense. Doesn't work. Nope. Doesn't Unless work. it's like a very murky sunrise. <laughs> An LA sunrise. <laughs> Polluted sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I caught myself quickly, but um I, for it to have, like, an immediate resolution would have been nice and easy for it to be Taryn, though still, he's way yeah. too old for the girls, and that would make me extremely uncomfortable. And also, Taryn would not make a good queen a fairy. Oh my god, <laughs> she would be terrible. But, like, also think about, would they accept a mortal as a queen? Well, isn't that the whole point of this book series? We're not there yet. <laughs> I know, but I was going around on Hollywood. You think they would accept Taryn? <laughs> As a queen. No, they would not accept Taryn as a queen. I was just, I was going through Holly Black's Instagram looking for fan art of Jude and Cardin and Maddox oh earlier. Oh, God, spoil it now. <laughs> well, so she posted something. She, she was, like, six on the New York Times bestseller list, and they were like, oh, the Folk of the Air trilogy, six on the bestseller list. And then it said, Jude follows her quest to become the first mortal queen of fairy. And I'm like, well... Thanks. I didn't need that. I never read that. It's fine. That's not her quest right now, so. Also, we don't know if she's actually going to become the queen of fairy. Like, that's the whole thing is, like, would they actually accept a mortal as a queen of their world? Because she's not them. Not currently. I don't think so. No. It would take a lot, I think, to get there. We don't know how on earth she would do that. I agree. Yeah. In general... Jude is way too mean to Sophie in this chapter, and it... She is terrible. She should never become a therapist. Or a mother. Or mother. <laughs> Anything that's nurturing is out for her. Yeah, she takes that career test in 10th grade, and they're just like, oh, God. <laughs> We're going to put you in a room with no other humans. Are you okay? <laughs> Do we need to, to send you somewhere? Do you need to talk to someone? And she'd say, yeah, I need to talk to someone, and she'd talk to them and snarl her teeth at them. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean I'm not nice? (laughs) Oh, she's a little terror. Okay. She goes on that little, it's like a very slight, not even tangent, but she's like, oh, I'll be able to, like, change all of these things in fairy and, like, make things better for humans once I have power and I'll have power once Dane has power and then I can make all of these changes and we can make all of these changes. And that whole rant is just so incredibly naive. 
Mm-hmm. Like, Dane's power does not translate to hers power, first of all. She may have a little bit of status elevation, but probably not much because no one's going to know that she's working for him. She's secret. She can't tell anyone. Like, she's she works an idiot. Shadows. Like, I don't know what power she thinks she's going to get from shadows. And also, Dane is definitely not going to listen to her any of her suggestions about how to treat humans. Like, he's not going to care about any of the things that she wants to do because that's not going to be in his best interests to, like, upset the status quo. And, like, she's also like, oh, like, Maddox doesn't know me, who who I really am. Like, Maddox was wrong about me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you're a good spy, he's never gonna know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you achieving from this? Also, she doesn't know who she is, so I don't know how Maddox can be <laughs> wrong about her when she doesn't know what she's doing. No, she's a terrible spy right now. She's not going anywhere. Like, Card saw her. Like, she wasn't even there for that long. Well, we might have seen her. It's never, at least where we're at in the story, we don't know whether or not he saw her yet. I'm I'm pretty sure he saw her. Like, it, it, it's described in what she... He's staring at her. He, well, he paused and looked and True. then kept moving. True. If Cardin actually knew it was her, he would have stared a little bit longer. Also moved his horse a little bit closer to get a better look. And then go. Okay. <laughs> you know. Um. Also, he probably knows that she's stealing a human servant. Like, I don't know that he loves her so much right now that he'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Let's go see how that plays out. (laughs) But who knows? Maybe he would because he finds it entertaining. I don't really understand his brain at all. Um, At least, though, Jude, even though she's being, like, absolutely horrible to Sophie, she recognizes that about herself, that she's like, yep, I don't have a lot of love or care to give. (laughs) But I thought, you know... It's crazy to me that her and Taryn are twins. Like, she should at least try and emulate how she thinks Taryn would act in this situation. Like, she should know her sister well enough to be able to emulate that. They're both so different. I think she just can't. It's impossible. Like, she doesn't know. Like, she is, you know, besties with Taryn. But she barely spends any time around her anymore. And, like, Taryn has made that clear. Mm -hmm. Like barely even sees Vivi, like, can't even take anything from Vivi. Like, she has completely separated herself. Yeah, no, that's true. I, it would have made the situation situation easier for her if she was actually able to emulate. <laughs> um, yeah. I also just feel bad for Sophie. Like, this poor girl now actually has to, like, fully deal with the memories she has of Hollow Hall. And you know that Balakin and Cardin probably did some real bad crap to her yeah i don't want to know any of it i'm not interested in knowing any of it but like based on how jude was acting with the fairy fruit i don't want to picture how warped her memories are and how you have to like think back on how much you wanted something even though you know that it's bad for you like that's gonna mess with your mind yeah and it's then i was thinking about it and kind of i mean 
going into the future, like, I wrote down, I was like, oh, this girl's going to need so much therapy before I found out what she did. And then it's like I was thinking about it. Well, she can't go to therapy in the mortal realm. She can't tell anybody about this. She can't deal with any of this trauma because people will think she's a loon. And Jude just wants to, like, put her back in and be like, okay, (laughs) shoo-shoo. Like, what? Again, Jude doesn't understand how feelings work. But she doesn't think about the future. She lives in, like, the moment and is like, okay, I'm just going to get this done and not think about the consequences of my actions. She needs to, like, plan a little bit. She does. Yeah. She's a full-on Gryffindor. She's like, I'm going to do it because I'm a hero and then doesn't think it through. Exactly. She's just exploiting a hero's complex in a way that is not useful or beneficial to the story whatsoever. And then it's like, she's just being rude about things, even in her head, that she doesn't need to be rude about. That it's like, there's really no reason that you need to do this. Like, Sophie doesn't even say anything. She's just like looking at the forest and Jude interprets her as looking at the forest, hoping that it isn't magic. And then Jude in her head is like, which is stupid. All forests are magic. I'm like, Jude, (laughs) they're not magic in the human world. You're being so judgmental, even if it's only in your head. Chill out. Yeah. Uh, I want to know your thoughts, because I wasn't too sure, like, how to read Vivi's line to Jude about, like, her smile and, and Matic and everything and, like, what that actually meant of how Vivi perceived Jude. But so Vivi says that, like, Jude puts on a pleasant smile in front of Matic, but all she can see and all everyone else around them can see is bared teeth. Like, Jude is perpetually snarling at everyone. I don't know. Um, let me find this. I want to read it for myself. Where is that? Oh, here it is. Jude, you keep smiling a pleasant smile in front of Matic, but all I can see is bare teeth. Oh, I think it's that, like, she can see through. I'm, this is my interpretation. She can mm-hmm. see through um, Jude's playing. Like, Matic can't see it because he loves her so much that he's yeah. blinded. And she's like, no, like, it's. I know that it's not a real smile. Like, I know that there's something going on here. Like, fess up. <laughs> right. And it's, like, going back to what, like, Taryn has been saying the past few chapters. Like, you can talk to me. Like, talk to me. I know there's something going on. And, like, Vivi is the same way. She's, like, not We're here saying, for like, you. talk to me. But, like, I know that there is something going on with you. Like, I can't say continue saying, like, talk to me anymore. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Ugh, and just... Jude is going to ignore her. Of course, because that's all Jude ever does um yeah and it's just gonna become worse and worse uh, this girl's gonna isolate herself from her entire family and it's gonna not be pretty and uh, okay it's gonna implode yeah definitely i thought i felt so bad for sophie i mean i feel bad like i said i feel bad for sophie the entire chapter but where she has that little comment that she always wanted magic to be real and talks about everything. And then she's That's like... That's heartbreaking. And she's like, especially Tinkerbell. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Fairies can be cute. God. No. Because it's, it's sad. Because, like, there actually can be so much beauty to be found in the magic of Elfheim. 
but all the humans are getting is like terror and destruction and horror the entire time mm-hmm. and it's like oh a little bit more time spent on the beauty would be nice yeah <laughs> that so was sad. a heartbreaking line that i remember reading that the first time and i was like this is so sad because yeah. like it's true like when we think of magic we think of like harry potter and like how fun it is to you know ride hippogriffs and stuff and like yeah here you have this human who's realizing like not all parts of magic are actually nice. Yeah. Well, in most parts of magic are not nice in her situation. Ooh. It's like you get introduced to the realm of or the world of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but only in Malfoy Manor and you're locked in the basement. Like it's not good. <laughs> the, her whole story is just so tragic. Like I really wish we didn't have to like give her a name and then I know lose her so quickly like that was just all in the span of one chapter it was so fast well like half a chapter it was it was so so quick like by the time we learned her name to the time that she fell off the horse it was like four pages it went so quickly uh i also kind of going back to your point about jude's hero complex and sort of like living in the moment i think she part of her inability to empathize is her inability to realize that like people can't all deal with things the way she deals with them Mm -hmm. so like she is so stubborn and she has this will to survive literally anything that gets thrown at her uh and that's not something that the majority of humans share most people are not like that but she that's why we're always so concerned about her because it's not human it's not normal it's not normal and she can't get out of her own head to realize that not everyone has her conviction and like I get that she gets that a little bit at the end, but I'm wondering if, I'm hoping that this event will actually, like, make it stick in her head and she realizes that, like, hmm, not everyone processes things the same way I do. (laughs) We are all unique and special individuals. (laughs) But, I mean, I'm also thinking, though, like, fairies are kind of like that. Like, they aren't. They show emotions from what we know, mm-hmm. but it also seems like they're very solitary in their own ways, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, she's really kind of taking up that part of how fairies act. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a lot of time in the human world to realize, like, fairies are not the way that she should necessarily be acting. Yeah. Like, she doesn't have to be like them in all aspects. Um, she is human. She has very complex emotions. She right. can lie. She can do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not how other humans like Sophie, they're not going to be like her. Exactly. She doesn't realize that, though. She just doesn't have the experience. She needs to spend some time in the outside world. Let's hope we don't get more humans killed before she, like, actually realizes it, though. I know. <laughs> I know. Mm, gosh. Do you have any more comments for chapter 17? That was all of mine. I had, okay, I had a couple at the beginning. Okay. Dulcimara, I looked up this word because I was like, this sounds really familiar. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I screenshot it. Um, (laughs) Oh, it was like um, an ointment or an herb, what was it? An herb maybe? Oh, it's a plant that has widely been used as a homeopathic therapy for different health conditions um 
but primarily for warts, itchy skin, boils, and acne. <laughs> I was like, did Holly Black look up this name before? She named this poor person after, very after <laughs> this plant? What? <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, um, oh, about the the murdering of the crown and then it murders you in return mm-hmm. or you die in return i've always wondered about this in like fairy tales where like when you kill someone it kills you too or whatever like this comes up in a few things yeah but like how what if it's multiple people like if you're not directly stabbing the person like say you're poisoning the person and it's multiple people who are helping to like make the poison or come up with the plans like mm-hmm. who gets killed <laughs> Like, is it all the people that helped and put, like, a little bit of the poison in, or what? That's a good question. I wonder. I mean, I think it probably depends on how the crown has been spelled, um, the -hmm. language that was used to build the spell or the curse associated with it, but typically what you would find is it's the person closest, so it would be the person who actually dropped the poison in, who did the physical Mm. act of the poisoning, rather than the group of people that, like, helped think about getting it to that point it would be like the last entry okay is my experience with fairy tales but okay yeah interesting um i think that was all i had okay all right should we get into pop culture yeah what do you got for me julia okay i have two the first one's kind of loose um for some reason, I don't know why it only struck me now, but Cardin reminds me of a Draco Malfoy almost. Like this kind of spoiled, bratty kid from, you know, a well to do family with like pure bloodlines and whatever. I don't know if it's the whole crown talk that reminded me of this. Mm-hmm. But also in the way that, like, towards the end of the series, Draco's much more of, like, about himself mm-hmm. and his family, I guess, but, like, more about... He's pretty, like, selfish, right? Yeah. Um, and it just reminds me, I guess, of, like, Cardin and how he's kind of solitary. Like, he's not... He ha- We've talked about it before. Like, he has his friends, but he kind of has his own thing going on that we don't really know what he actually has going on. Well, his friends are a means to an end. They're not mm-hmm. his friends. And that's like Draco, like all that's of exactly were just like, like pure bloods who just he like armored himself with. He wasn't mm-hmm. really friends with them. They, they were, were family like friends. Part of his, yeah, exactly. They right. were like he had to be friends with them. Right. Um, I don't know why. Like when she sees him when she's leaving the castle and he's like, actually in his green like, suit. Yeah, maybe that was it. I was like that just triggered it. Um, and then my other one was when she's putting, like, two and two together with, like, the letters and, like, kind of analyzing everything. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of, like, Sherlock's Mind Palace in the BBC series. Yes! <laughs> like, I could just see her, like, the, like, cogs working in her mind and, like, just, like, going, like, her eyes flitting back and forth as she's, like, analyzing the words and everything. Oh, my um, God, I love that. I love that I so much. I literally have that image in my head. <laughs> Yeah, that was mine. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So I have three pop culture references related to the acorn. <laughs> They're not all good, so bear with me. Okay. Okay. Um, but because the little acorn kind of like 
pops open to reveal a voice message, sort of, right? So there's, mm-hmm. like, a voice message hidden inside it or, like, a, a secret message hidden inside it. So my first two – and it's gold. So my first two are also gold things that have hidden messages inside of them, both from Harry Potter. The looser one is the golden snitch at the end um, yeah. <laughs> that I open at the close, and then he gets the resurrection stone and all of the yeah. ghosts giving him advice. But then the golden egg – from the lake tournament <laughs> that they open underwater and it sings the message to them, but it's in a riddle. Oh, that's funny. So those are my two Harry Potter. But I was also just in general because of like the kind of message that was inside and like the call to action. It was giving me uh, Princess Leia a la A New Hope vibes from like yeah. when she has the message in R2D2 and she's like, help me only one Kenobi, you're our only hope. <laughs> that's a good one those are all good though yeah uh and then i'm i'm apologizing in advance because i know you hate when i make these references but the whole description of sophie like in the palace and like just like the physical description of her reminds me a lot of christian gray's mother <laughs> <laughs> from Fifty Shades of Grey and also Layla, one of his like ex submissives. Um, because they're just like so emaciated and either like super drugged out or just like not in their right minds that they're just like not fully functioning human beings at the times that we like hear about them or meet them in the story. And they also are super, super thin, really dark circles. So just like physically the descriptions matched up. And then it, like, even more so when Vivi was telling Jude, oh, you're using saving this girl as, like, a surrogate for saving our mother because you couldn't do that. That's, like, again, not the same situation, but Christian was picking girls who subconsciously looked like his drugged-out mother as his submissives to de- as a way of, like, dealing with his trauma. So Jude's kind of doing the same thing albeit very different circumstances. <laughs> like, I recognize that, but I've read those books and watched those movies too many times, so they're imprinted on my brain and I cannot get them out. <laughs> yep. Um, and then when she was talking about the potential punishments that she could face uh, when getting, you know, caught with Sophie, or if getting caught with Sophie... If she wasn't put to death, she said she could get trapped in an ice palace for seven years, which, first off, just reminded me of Frozen and, like, Elsa building her ice palace. (laughs) Anytime an ice palace is mentioned, I think of Frozen. But it also reminded me of that Nordic fairy tale, uh, the one that East and West by Edith Pateau are based off of. I cannot remember the name of the fairy tale to save my life, but there's, like, that polar bear who's trapped... In this, like, northern, it's not necessarily an ice palace, but it's, like, carved into the stone um, Mm -hmm. in the northern reaches. And he's imprisoned there by a troll queen, and he's given a chance to potentially break out. But if the girl that's supposed to, like, be his true love finds out that he, kind of like Beauty and the Beast style, if she finds out that the polar bear and the man that sleeps next to her at night are the same person... um, then the troll queen wins the bet, basically, and she gets to marry the polar bear man. And she whisks him off away to her ice palace. So it just, all of the ice palace imagery was triggering some of my favorite <laughs> fairy tales. Okay. 
And then Jude's comment that all forests are magic just made me think of Cavus Water. Oh, yes, that's a good one. Oh. And I was just, like, reminiscing on how much I love the Raven boys. And the Raven's, like, all so much. That's, yeah. like, a comfort series for me now. Yeah, it's it's definitely a comfort series. It's so, duh, just makes you feel all good inside. All of the characters, even if they have their problems, they're very non-problematic for the most but part. Because they're, they're teenagers, like they're pr- they are like she wrote them so well as teenagers. Yeah, like here we have Jude, who is a teenager, but she is like a messed up teenager. And in that the Raven Boy series, we get like actual teenagers who are like. <laughs> Like, schoolwork, let's go on an adventure. <laughs> I like that girl. No, I like that girl. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's just Adam and Gansy all the time. Oh, God. All right. So, should we get into MVPs? Yes, we should. Do you want to go first? You can go first. Okay, my MVP is Vivi, uh, because she kind of was like, she just dropped everything. She's like, yeah, I'll go help you, like, take this human girl Mm -hmm. to the mortal realm. Sure, no problem. I thought you needed my help burying a body, but, like, this works, too. (laughs) It's true, though. Vivi would be like, okay, let's bury this body, and then you can tell me afterwards what happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I just really appreciate her willingness to help her sister, even though Jude's been a <laughs> rude little girl to her lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine is Nikesha. Nikki. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I do think, like, I don't think that they're ever going to become friends anytime soon. Right. <laughs> but I think that she is trying to kind of warn Jude. Like, she is, I mean, I we've talked about, like, the hair thing and then telling jude about Cardin that he mm-hmm. ruins everything the fact that she emphasized that he ruins everything like not she didn't say it once she said it twice mm-hmm. i think is really important the fact that she i think does kind of want to look out for her not necessarily because she cares about jude but just because she's like like listen like he's bad news for you bad news for everyone yeah maybe she's a little spiteful of Cardin and doesn't want him to get what he wants but like right. it's still look inadvertently then looking out for her yeah sure um so yeah nikisha I like it. All right. How about your wine review? I'm giving this a 8 out of 10. Okay. Um, I'm calling it, instead of wine, I'm calling it a wild apple cider, which is Mm. something I actually just had this weekend. But it reminded me a lot of this chapter because it's a misleading kind of thing where, like, you start off feeling kind of good. Like, we start off, she's had a good night, right? And, like, same thing with the cider. Like, it's sweet. It's kind of misleading. It looks nice. It's bubbly. It's fruity. Kind of exciting. Um, same thing when she's getting Sophie out of Hollow Hall. We're thinking, like, okay, like, maybe she's really going to be a good person and help this poor human out. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it just ends in tragedy. <laughs> it's not. It's bitter. It's, like, been fermenting for a long time. Like, the, the apples are wild. <laughs> we don't know what's in it. True. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. Though high high rating for that still eight out of ten. No, because there is it's. I think it's still an important chapter as we to her character development. Exactly. Oh, that's very true. Yep. For my wine review, um, (sighs) I struggle with this because like it's hard. There's Sophie's whining 
was not unnecessary or angsty, like, in any way, shape, or form. It was Mm -hmm. pure fear, and I don't begrudge her any of it. I would probably be doing the same in her position. I would 100% be doing the same thing in her position. Any human would be doing the same thing in her position. So, I'm going to give it a high rating, but I want to preface it. It's not because of Sophie. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. And that's because Jude is so mean and, like, rude about everything that's coming out of Sophie's head. And, like, her little mean girl vibe where she's just like, "Eh, this is stupid. Why is she being like this? It irritates me to no end. Um, And she's just being a little, like, extra about leaving Locke's house. Like, I get that she's on edge, but, like, she's in her head about Cardin. She's in her head about... Like, sneaking out of Locke's house. It's just, she's a mess, this chapter. So, yeah. 7 out of 10 for Jude's very unnecessary angst the entire chapter. I agree with that. Oh, man. We finished this so quickly. Look at us. I mean, it was a heavy chapter, but it was a fast chapter. It was. It was a fast chapter. I'm I'm glad we got to just focus some time on this chapter, though, because... Next mm-hmm. episode's gonna be a, a rush to get through a lot of important stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So with that, uh, we can wrap this up. Um, so if you guys have been enjoying the series, really enjoy um, Folk of the Air, The Cruel Prince, want to talk to us about it, send us an email at unnecessaryangspod at gmail.com. Um, we are screening for spoilers, so... Feel free to just throw a spoiler tag in your subject line and we'll make sure that we filter that out. Um, And if you want to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you can follow us at Unnecessary Angst Pod. We do occasionally sometimes post there. And on Twitter, you can follow us at Unangst Pod. Um, Yeah, and with that, we will talk to you all next week for chapters 18 and 19, which are gonna be big ones, so looking forward to it. And yeah, bye everyone.